If you have your Bibles, you can grab them quickly. Flip to Matthew chapter 25. I'm just going to have you stand just for a second. Matthew 25, starting in verse 21. Matter of fact, it's the only verse, not starting in verse. We're going to stay in that verse. We're going to read one verse to chart our course for the day, to kind of give us a framework of where God wants to lead us today. And this is what it says. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. How many of you long for that public recognition from God the Father? Well done, my good and faithful servant, because one day we'll all stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we will will either be publicly recognized or not. Either we'll hear, well done, my good and faithful, or we'll hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. That's just the truth. I'm not trying to bring the mood down, although I don't think the mood can get any lower today, but praise the Lord. That's okay. I'm here to preach the word of God anyway. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You should long for that public recognition, but it has to take place in the private preparation to come to the public recognition of well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful with the little, because you have been faithful in the private place, because you've been faithful with the little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Father, let us long to hear those words. Let us long to hear those words of public recognition that it causes us to dive deep into who you are, into your person, Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to completely wreck us, destroying every paradigm that we've set up, every religious thought that we've ever done, every church service that we came in just to to check the box and to dot the the, the I's and cross the T's. I pray you would destroy that Holy Ghost right now in this place. Yeah, Lord. Prepare our hearts for this word. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Now, let's get to the message. You guys come ready for a word from God today? Come on, if you're ready, shout, I'm ready. ready. Amen. See, it's excited. It's it's good to get excited for the word of of God. See, an excitement wells up in our heart an expectation that God's actually going to say something to me today, that God's actually going to touch me today, that his living word is going to cause something to rise up within me today to go after him like never before. So when we're excited like that, God will do that in our, in, our, in our lives. And anyway, the title of today's message is this, a faithful warrior. A faithful warrior. Tell your neighbor, be a faithful warrior. Yeah, be a faithful warrior. And like Steve said, last week we talked about a marching warrior. A marching warrior. And we talked about how we need to be a people who continue to march towards the promise that God has given us. A a people who won't stop short of the promises that God has spoken over us. That's what we talked about last week. And so this week, we're gonna kind of use last week's message as a launching pad for this week's message. Because the two go hand in hand. They'll feed off one another and you'll, you'll see what I mean, hopefully in a minute. Because this week, the Lord wants to talk to us about being faithful in the process faithful in the process. And, and to be honest with you, there's no better day than Mother's Day than to talk about this, this topic. And, and here's, why, here's why I say this, because moms know exactly what it means to be faithful 
in a process, right? They, they really do. That's why they're called moms, right? Like, so for nine months, they have to be faithful in a process. And then after the nine months, it's another like 18 years to 26 years, depending on your kid. <laughs> they got to continue to be faithful, but that's not my point. I'm not, I'm not going that direction. I'm, I'm sticking with the, with the, nine, the nine months. See, I want you to think about it for, for just a moment, right? After a woman gets pregnant, right? She conceives a promise. She conceives it. But then she has to wait nine long months to receive the promise. And, and a lot of times, those nine months are very trying for moms. <laughs> very trying. And all the moms said, amen, really. Very trying. And, and look, I, I want to be very careful how I proceed from this point forward because I'd hate to make all the women mad at me in the house on Mother's Day. That'd be really, really bad uh, for me. But, but those nine months proved to be very trying, right? Because moms, they, they get really sick, right, during that, that process. And then they gain a lot of, well, they gain some weight. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tippy-toe. <laughs> Their bellies, they get bigger, just bigger, not, not real big, just bigger. Um, and man, their body goes through all these different changes, man. A woman's body, man, really, mom's body goes through all kinds of different changes. One of the things I remember really well is uh, besides the belly and besides the weight, I, I remember my, my wife's hips, like, because, because the Bible, listen, listen, their body, listen, let me finish. Let me finish. You guys are going to get me in trouble. Don't draw that much attention to it. I thought I could just breeze right over it. But, 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 a, but, a, but a woman's hips get spread out, right? Because it's making room. Listen, that isn't mean. It's just making room for the baby to come out. That, that's, that's what it's doing, right? This ain't my fault. It's God's fault. Don't be mad at me. He did it, not me. Like, he did it. Ooh. I'm going to get through this really quick. But I remember... Julie, when she was pregnant with Isabel, right, her hips got pushed way out. And, and I can remember I'd have to, like, in, in the bed, I'd have to grab her hips and I'd have to hold them, like, hold them together and roll her over, right? Like, seriously, because when she would just try to flip over, her hip would come out of socket, literally. And she would be in so much pain from that hip. And I'd be sitting there trying to grab it, trying to put it back in, don't know what I'm doing, you know? So, so what I'd do is I'd grab the sides of her hips and I would just roll her over as easy and as strong as I could get. But I would get her over. And my point is simply this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got to do something here. Recover. But she was bedridden for nearly two weeks. Uh, my wife was during the first pregnancy with Isabel. And, and then the second pregnancy, forget about it with Abishai. Uh, I remember her. I mean, she was literally sick the entire nine months, not the first trimester, the entire nine months, threw up every meal Every, I mean, multiple times a day, multiple times a day. She would literally come to me. I remember her saying to me, honey, I feel like I'm gonna die. I literally feel like I'm dying. She said, one time she said, it feels like something's trying to eat its way out of me. Like, <laughs> like this thing is trying to get out and I, I don't know what to do about it. Um, my, my point again is moms go through a lot over that nine month process. They go through a lot of tough stuff and they have to be faithful in the process, if they want to receive 
the promise in order to receive this, this amazing promise, right? It's not like she conceives the promise and then the very next day she receives the promise, although I'm sure most women would rather have that happen, but that's not, that's not how it happens. She conceives the promise, then has to go through this, this process for nine months in order to receive the promise. And, and see, my point is, is this, that's a real life illustration to how each of us live with the promise of God. It really is. See, like I said last week, all of us have a promise from God. We all have a promise that's specific to us. We all have a, a very general, you know, lies promise from God to all of us. But then each and every one of us have a specific promise from God. And see, when God speaks that promise to us, we conceive a promise. We conceive it. But then guess what? There's a, a process that we have to walk through. There's there's a process, and we've got to be faithful in the process in order to receive the promise that we had conceived when God spoke over us. See, we've got to be faithful warriors for Christ if we desire to receive the promises of God, which can prove to be very difficult for us, especially in the day and age that we, we live in now. I mean, you've heard me say this before, and probably other people, it's not original to me. I've heard it some other places, like... We live in a microwave society, right? We really do. We, we want to grab the bag of popcorn and we want to throw it in the microwave and hit one button, wait one minute, then eat it. And that, that's all we want to do. We don't, and we don't want to wait for, for anything. We, we're terrible about waiting. We don't like to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's why I get the opportunity to minister to a lot of different people over these past 10 years. And a lot of those people are struggling really bad with life. Life's been really hard on them. And I don't know about you, but I know exactly what they're going through. Life's been hard on me at times and been rough on me at times. Even though I serve Jesus, life still gets really tough and beats me up on different days and, and different seasons of my life. But a lot of these people are struggling with, with life. And, you know, the people who, who come in, right, and they want their problems fixed right away. Like one day they're struggling, the next day they're free. I gotta be honest with you, most of those people, if not all those people, never get free and they definitely don't stay free. They don't. They'll continue to struggle with the thing that they're currently struggling with for, for, for extended periods of times. Why? Because they're not faithful in the process. They're not faithful in it. And see, we, we love the, the story like the story last week, right? We, we love the story. When all the walls come tumbling down and every man went straight up into the city and received their, their promise. We, we love that part of the story. But the, but the truth is that's only a very small part of the story. See, most of that story is about the process that the Israelites were going through. See, most of the story is about how they marched around the wall, how they woke up early in the morning on the first day and they marched around that wall one time that day and nothing at all happened to the wall, nothing. Most of that story is about how they woke up again early on the second day and marched around that wall one more time that day and nothing happened at all to the wall. 
See, most of the stories about them waking up early in the morning and marching on the third day, then on the fourth day, and then on the fifth day, each day only marching around the, one, the wall one time. And then they did it again on the sixth day. They woke up early in the morning and marched around the wall one more time. But guess what happened after nothing happened to the wall on the seventh day? They were required to wake up early again on the seventh day. They were required to be faithful warriors, to be faithful in the process. See, just because they got up early on the first six days didn't mean they got to sleep in on the seventh day. (laughs) Doesn't mean that. See, they still were required to wake up early on the seventh day, just like every other day. And they were required to march around the wall on the seventh day, just like they did on the previous six days. But see, what was different about the seventh day than any of the other six days, the Bible says that on that day, on the seventh day, they had to wake up early in the morning, but this time they had to march around the wall seven times, not just one time, seven times. And so they did exactly that. They They marched around the wall the first time. Guess what? Nothing happened. They marched around the wall the second time. Nothing happened. They marched around the wall third time and then fourth time and then fifth time and and then the sixth time and nothing happened at all to the wall. Now, I I want you to think about that just for a second and and let that, that sink in. See, by this point in time in the story, The sixth time on the seventh day, they would have marched around that wall 12 times. 12 times. And nothing happened at all to the wall. Like like nothing at all happened. It wasn't like they, they marched around it on that seventh day and on the sixth time, all of a sudden they seen a sign. They're like, oh, oh, something's happening. Like, like, oh, this is going to encourage them. So let me give them, God wasn't like, this is going to encourage them. Let me give them like a little crack in the mortar so that they'll keep walking and they'll keep being faithful in the process. No, no, no. No, nothing happened at all. Nothing. But guess what? They had to be faithful in the process if they wanted to receive the promise. And look, I could hear the enemy. I can literally hear the enemy ridiculing them and making fun of them. Like, ah, look at you, stupid. You're so stupid. You just marched around this wall 12 times and nothing's happening. Nothing's going to happen. So why do you continue being faithful to God when God hasn't showed up in your situation yet and he's not gonna show up? So you might as well quit. And listen to me, this is what we will run into often in our lives. People will say these very things to us. Like, why are you being faithful going to church on Sunday? I mean, your life is still a mess. Your kids are still a wreck. Your marriage is hanging on by a thread and you're going to church, you're being faithful, going to church. I mean, what? Nothing's happening. So why do you keep being faithful with going to church? You'll have people say to you, stop reading your Bible. Why are you reading that old thing? It's super old. Like it can't help you for today. Won't you get a Tony Robbins book or something? 10 ways to help your anxiety. That'll help you more than the Bible. These are the things people will say. They say, why do you keep praying? Why why, why do you keep believing for healing in your body? You're still struggling with that sickness. You've you've been struggling with that disease for how many years? And you've prayed how many times? And you still haven't received your healing. This is what people, why are you being faithful when nothing has, has happened? 
But see, did you know the Bible says, do not forsake the fellowship of gathering together. See, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says, if any are sick among you, call the elders together in the church, have them anoint you with oil and pray for you so that your body may be healed. The Bible says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It says those who are faithful to the end will be saved. See, our job isn't to know when we will receive the promise. Our job is to be faithful until we receive the promise. That's our job. That's our mission. We gotta be faithful in the process. We have to be faithful warriors. And look, because the Israelites were faithful in the process that God gave them for their promise, because they woke up early on the seventh day, marched around six times, and then they marched around the seventh time, blew a loud trumpet, right? And then shouted real loud. Then the walls came tumbling down. So it wasn't like the sixth time a brick fell off the top, right? Like, like on, on the seventh day, you know what I mean? Like, oh, there's a brick, it's coming down. Oh, we got it. No, 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 no. They had to be completely faithful with what God had spoke to them and they had to march around the seventh time. Laid out a loud shout. Then the walls came tumbling down. So although, yes, we have to keep Marching, but more importantly, we have to be faithful in our marching. Faithful in serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, see, we love the promise, right? We love the promise. But see, most of our lives are spent in the process. So why do we spend so much time just talking about the promise when most of our life is in the process? And do you know what I found about the process? This is what I found about the process. A lot of the process is done in the secret place. See, a lot of the process that God is taking us on is done in the quiet place. It's done in the private place. It's, it's done where no one is watching you and no one can see you at all. And here's why. Because there's always a private preparation before there can be a public recognition. Hear me. There has to be a private preparation before God can give you a public recognition. See, we have to be faithful in the process in order to publicly receive our promise. You know, I'm reminded of a story in the Bible about a woman named Esther. See, she's this young Jewish, young Jewish woman who becomes queen over all Persia, okay? And because she becomes queen, she saves tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Jewish men, women, and children. And there's a part in the story that we love to quote in the church. We love to quote it. And it's in Esther chapter four. You have been appointed and anointed for such a time as this. Woo, right? We're like, hallelujah. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah, amen. That's, it's great. Yeah, it's great. And what that simply is, is saying is this, that, that God has chosen you at this specific time to fulfill his promise through you. That, that's, that's, that's what it means. 
And the scripture is referring specifically to Esther, right? This little Jewish orphan girl that God made queen over all Persia. And see, we we love talking about that part of the story. We love focusing on the part of the story about the promise. That a lot of times what happens is, is we overlook the process. We overlook it. We overlook the fact of how she she was faithful in the private process before she got the public promise. See, Esther had to go through this long purification process in private before she could become the public queen. And, and I don't have time to really go deep into this, this story for today. We, we, got, you know, we got to move. But, but go home and, and read it for yourself. Esther, read the book of Esther. It's It's incredible. It's amazing. But I'll give you just a little bit of context to the story, right? Esther was an orphan girl, like I, like I said before. Both of her parents had died, and so she had to move in with her, her cousin named Mordecai. The Bible says Mordecai took care of Esther and raised her as his own daughter in order to protect her, right? And what you have to understand is the reason that these, these Israelites are, are, are in Persia was because of the Babylonian captivity. They're still stuck there because they did what was wrong and evil in the sight of the Lord. And so they're, they're stuck. But now Nebuchadnezzar has died. And now King Xerxes is ruling and reigning over them, the king of Persia. And there's this queen at the time named Vashti. That was her name, Queen Vashti. Name your daughter that, Vashti. And, and the Bible says that that she did what was evil in the sight of her king. And so the king banished her from his sight. She could never come before him again because of what she did. And so the king says, well, now I gotta get a new queen because every king has to have a queen. Come on, somebody. And so what happens is is he issues a decree throughout all the land, 127 provinces. His kingdom was vast. It was large. It was massive. And he issues a decree about he needs a new queen. And all of his officials begin to scour the land to find him a new queen. And Esther was one of the women that was picked. She was chosen along with many other, by the way, many other beautiful young women. They're all brought into the king's palace. They're all brought into the citadel of Susa. But see, God gave Esther favor with all the king's officials. But here's the thing. Just because she was in the palace didn't mean she got to skip the process. She didn't get to skip it. She had to go through it. She had to be faithful in the private process. And the Bible says because she was faithful, God gave her favor with every single person in the palace, from the servant to the greatest eunuch, he gave her favor everywhere she went. And while she's in the palace, she goes on this 12-month purification process. The Bible says six months of oil of myrrh process, and then six months of perfumes and cosmetics. Every single day for 12 months, she had to, she had to go through this process in order to be to be even considered to be queen. This didn't guarantee her to be queen. See, she had to be faithful even though she didn't know if she'd be picked to be queen. And not only was she being faithful with the purification process, she was also faithful in her praying and fasting to God, asking the Lord, Lord, give me favor. Help me to be chosen queen so that your people will be safe because they were all gonna be killed if she doesn't become queen. 
Finally, after this year-long process takes place, God makes her queen. Gives her this public recognition because of all the private preparation. Because it's what we do in private that will cause God to recognize us in public, to testify to us in public. It's what we do in private. You know, I'm reminded of a, of a story of a shepherd boy who was faithful in the field. He was faithful in the field, faithful to watch over his father's sheep. He was faithful to worship God in private. When no one was looking, he was playing a harp for a bunch of sheep. That's what he was doing. It's wild. See, we love to talk about how David killed the giant, Goliath. We, we love that. And how he killed his tens of thousands of men while Saul killed his thousands. How he was this great warrior that, that won many, many battles. We love to tell that part of the story of, of how the shepherd boy became king over all Israel. But a lot of times we overlook the process. We overlook how God prepared him in private before he made him king in public. We, we skip the part of how in private he killed the lion and the bear so that in public he could kill the giant. You see, we skip a lot of the private process. We skip over the part where David hungered and thirsted for God in the private place, which calls God to say about him in the public space, David is a man after my own heart. Not because David was perfect in public. No, no, no. It's because he hungered for God in private. And it goes the same way for us, church. Same exact way. God doesn't expect for us to be perfect in public or in private, but he does expect us to be hungry for him in private so that he can recognize us in public. You know, we read the story about the apostle Paul, okay? In the book of Acts, Luke writes the account, okay? And, and if we read in the book of Acts, we see how on his road to Damascus, he has this incredible encounter with Jesus, right? God radically saves him and actually blinds him from the glory that was shown him. And after we, we, we see that, right, in Acts, we see how he begins then after the, the, he's saved, the spirit fills him, the, the scales fall off and he goes and starts preaching to the masses and healing all the sick and casting out all the demons, and if we only read the account in the book of Acts, what happens is we think that it went really quickly for him. Like we think that he went from being a terrorist to an evangelist overnight. That's what we think, because that's what it reads. We think he goes from persecuting the church to writing 13 books of the New Testament for the church immediately. But see, when we study God's word in private and we begin to to dissect the word of God and hunger for the word of God. And we begin to read through it and really start to digest it. What we see in Galatians chapter one is Paul begins to tell us about the process. He says, immediately after my salvation, the Holy Spirit led me into the desert of Arabia. And this is where God took him in this private process where God began to touch his life and teach him revelatory things about who Jesus was it's actually wild. He says, I didn't go to the apostles for the revelation. I went to the king of kings for the revelation. Did you know you ain't gotta go to an apostle or a preacher to find out revelation? You can go to Jesus yourself. Straight to the source to get what you need. 
But we see how, how Paul spent three years in the Arabian desert being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, revealed Jesus to him. Then he returns to Damascus. Then he powerfully preaches in the synagogues, casting out demons, healing the sick. But he went through a private preparation before he received the public recognition. And then when we look at the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus, when we look at him, see, we love the promises of his life and we should love the promises of his life because of, of what he did for us, our sins are forever forgiven. Like every sin was erased and eradicated in the blood of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It only matters who you serve now because of what Jesus done. And we love that. We love how, how he came, that the, the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world, that he would die for our sins, but then be raised again from the grave on the third day, conquering death by death. We love that and we should love that. But we shouldn't overlook his, his process that he went, to, went through first. See, for 30 years, Jesus was in a private preparation. Now, now, now think about that. This is the son of the most high God, born of the spirit. The Bible says he was from the seed of the Holy Spirit, not the seed of man. God himself, that's what he was born of. And he had to go through a private preparation before his public recognition. Matter of fact, he was in such a private preparation, we don't even know what in the world he did for the first 30 years. There's not a single account written about it. There's nothing written about what he did for those first 30 years. But then when the son of God bursts on the scenes, what's he do? He turns water into wine right off the bat. But first he went through the private preparation church. Then he begins, then, he, then after he turns the water into wine, he goes and gets baptized. And the Bible says that the, that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and then God gave him a public recognition. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Be careful to do everything that he teaches you to do because he's already had all the private preparation and now he's ready for my public recognition. Then he begins to go and heal the sick. Every single sick person, by the way, every sickness, every disease. Every demon, every devil that came encounter with Jesus was completely cast out. People were completely set free. But guess what? After the public recognition, do you, do you know what Jesus does next? Goes into another private preparation. 40 days in the wilderness. 40 days he spent. 40 more days in the desert. And as we follow the life of Jesus throughout the gospels, we see Jesus often going off into the private place to prepare, to be, man, to be faithful in the process. And listen to me, if the son of God needs this, how much more do you and I need it? How much more? If the Christ, see, it's Jesus the Christ, not like Jesus Christ, like he, you know, it's Jesus the Christ, the anointed one of God. Jesus, the anointed one of God. If he needed the private preparation, how much more does Keith Deal need it? How much more does Matt Lauder need it? How much more does Jason need it? How much more does, does Larry need it? How, how, much, how much more do we need it if Jesus needed it? You know, over... The years of my life, I've, I've had people come to me and they, they say things to me like, man, you're, you're so blessed, pastor, you're so blessed. 
God's done so many incredible things in your life, right? And, and it's, it's true. And they'll highlight the promises, a lot of the promises that God gave me. Like, you know, God took you from being a heroin addict to being a pastor. He took you from having nothing and no one to giving you your own home and a beautiful wife and two amazing kids. Like, look what God's done in your life. You're so blessed. And, and that's absolutely true. I absolutely am. But that's only part of my story. That, that's, that's only part of my story. See, the problem with our society is we, we like the, the, the Facebook stories and the Instagram posts and the highlight reel. But that's a very small part of my story. See, most people don't know that I spent three years in a private preparation, three years in a men's recovery home, faith-based recovery home, going through intense discipleship training. They don't know that I spent the first three years scrubbing toilets that 12 men used multiple times a day every day, and I did it every day. I had to clean them toilets because the Lord told me to. See, see people don't see all the, the late nights, right, that I spend with God in my private place crying for him, longing for him, begging for a touch from him because I got to have him. See, I can't make it another day without him. I just can. See, people don't, people don't see that. They, they, they see the public recognition and the public preaching, but rarely do they get to see the private preparation. And see, these past 10 years pastoring, right, and up here preaching, it's a very small part of the story, like very, very slim, small part of it. See, most of my story is spent when I wake up early in the morning and get on my knees. Only to get up early the next morning and get on my knees again. Only to wake up early on the third day, then the fourth day, then the fifth day, then the sixth day, then the seventh day to go after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, most of my story is spent up late nights, building myself up in my most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit because I know I need him to get through tomorrow. I gotta have him. I can't do it without him. See, here's what I've found, that most people want the public recognition, but they don't wanna spend the time in the private preparation. They just don't. And because of that, they never experience God in the way that God desires for them to experience him. And again, it's not about being perfect in public. I haven't been perfect in public but I also repent in public when I screw up too. Because it's not about the perfection of it. It's about in the private of, man, God, I need you. I know I screw up, but forgive me. See, we even gotta be faithful in the repentant process. We, we keep with the spirit of repentance so that we bear the fruit of repentance in our lives. And then God will give us a public recognition because we spent the time in the private preparation. See, see, most of our story is about what we do in private church. What you and I do when no one is looking at us. Not just Sunday mornings with our hands lifted and we're singing the songs. No, no. Are we doing that on Tuesday night when nobody's around? When the wife and the kids go to bed, men, are we on our knees before God? Seeking him to give us wisdom to lead our families, are we? Or do we think Sunday's enough when it's not? Tuesday night men's group, it's not enough. It's got to be early in the morning, God, I seek you. As a deer panteth after the water brook, so my soul longs and thirsts for you, O oh God. Most of our stories is about what we do in the private place, church. And here's why. Because it's in the private place that the Lord gives you your identity. Man, this world's trying to steal people's identity right and left. 
gender fluidity and all these other nonsensical things, man. Kindergartners learning about gender and all that nonsense. That's why we gotta be in the private place to get our identity from our, from our Father who is in heaven. So that then publicly they can't ruin us, they can't, they can't do nothing to us. Because God already told me who I was in private. So in public I could withstand the attacks. See, it's in, the, it's in the, the private place that God prepares our perseverance. He, he strengthens us in the private place so that we can keep on marching, so that we can keep on being faithful while we're marching. It's in the private place that God develops our character, church. That's where you'll develop your character, not up on the stage, not praying out loud somewhere. No, 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 in the private place. And here's the thing, men and women of God, the Lord desires to take us through that private preparation because he desires to give us a public recognition. He wants to do it. He's longing to do it. He's looking for reasons to do it. All you gotta do is give him the reason to do it and he'll do it. It's like your own kids, man. Don't you look for reasons to love on them and to sing their praises? I know I do. I do it when they don't deserve it even, praise God. But, but God does the same for us. He's a good father. So he's just looking for the opportunity to tell you what he thinks of you. Private preparation will lead to public recognition from God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, he says, give in secret. And my father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, we must be a faithful warrior in private so that at the end of our lives, we will hear in public, well done my good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful with the little, because you were faithful with the little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Jesus says the only type of saving faith is faith that endures to the end. Hear me. Faith that endures to the end. Not a wishy-washy faith, not an up and down faith. No, no, no faith that endures to the end. We must be faithful to what God is calling us to till the end if we want to spend eternity with him. That's the truth. That's the reality, church. Now look, maybe you're wondering, well, well how, how do I go about being faithful? What, 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 does that, what does that look like for me on a daily basis? It looks like you waking up early in the morning. Well, pastor, I already get up at six and I don't get home from work till seven at night. Okay, well then get up at five. I'm just telling you, get up at five then, whatever, whatever it takes. It's interesting, man. We'll get up real early to go hunting. I'm just telling you, we will. We'll make sure we're up at the butt crack of dawn to go shoot a buck. But yet when it comes to pressing into the word of God, I'm too tired for that. And I'm just being real. Can I be honest with you just for a moment? I just, I just gotta be. This is what God's put on my heart. Listen to me. What it looks like to be in the private place and be faithful is waking up early and getting before the king. Stand, sit, sitting up late nights, worshiping Jesus. Getting into the word of God. And I'm, not, and I'm not talking about listening to some pastor on YouTube either, okay? And it's okay to listen to pastors on YouTube as long as the pastor is actually preaching really good stuff, but whatever, I won't go into that. 
I'm not talking about listening to podcasts of a, of a preacher talking about the Bible. No, no, I'm talking about you opening up your word of God, the word of God for yourself and saying, Holy Spirit, teach me everything that is in this book. And the Bible says he's faithful to do it. That's what it looks like to be faithful every morning. Morning number one, early in the morning. Number two, early in the morning. Third day, early in the morning, opening up the word of God, writing what God speaks to you because he desires to speak to you. If you want to be faithful in the private, you better be worshiping in private. Turn on the worship music on your iPhone, on your Android, whatever. Maybe you don't even know what that looks like. Just turn it on and begin to ask God, God, show up. Just say that. Jesus, show up. Touch me right now, Lord. I don't know how to worship. I never was taught how to worship. I never had men in my life or women in my life that taught me how to worship. God, you're going to have to teach me how. Jesus, come. Touch me. What's it look like to be faithful? It looks like praying and pressing in so that God will hear your voice and come and heal the land. And listen, right now, if you don't know what to pray for, there's plenty of stuff to pray for in the day and age we live in. Lord have mercy. For real, man, we could be praying right now that Roe v. Wade gets overturned. And I'm just telling you, that can be a hot topic. People can be upset all they want. But man, I'm telling you, if we can get that, if that gets overturned, 14% of the babies that have been aborted will stop being aborted. 14%, that's 8.6 million babies would not have been aborted if Roe v. Wade wouldn't have been passed. Think about that. You wanna know about the pray for in private? Lord, I pray that your spirit would overwhelm them judges, them justices, and overturn that ruthless medical thing. Get rid of the murdering of babies, Lord. In Jesus' name. What's it look like to be faithful, man? It's, it's about going after God, praying, believing that he'll show up in your life. If you wanna receive the public promise, you better be in the private process. Amen. Amen. And see, this is really the heartbeat of Tyrone Christian Academy. We wanna raise these kids to be faithful warriors for Christ, period faithful, understanding the private process, understanding this private preparation that will lead them to public recognition, teaching them to go after God when no one else is looking as children. And they can learn that too. They can learn it. We can train them in that. See, when we give to the school, when we pray for the school, when we speak well of the school, when we come to work at the school, whatever, this is what we're believing in. This is what we're asking God to do in that school is to raise up faithful warriors for Christ in a time that seems to be so unfaithful. Lord have mercy. Now is the time for the church to bear down, buckle down and start going after God in the private place. Go ahead and stand to your feet, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Yeah, Father. Lord, you see each and every one of us right here this morning. And I pray by the spirit that you would quicken us to go after you in the private process. Yeah, Holy Spirit, help us to do that. It's your spirit that will cause us to walk upright in your statutes. So Lord, I pray by your spirit, you would strengthen us to press into you, to be willing to go through the private preparation to receive the public recognition. I pray that over every single heart, over every single mind in this place. I pray, Lord, you would put such a desire inside of us to get into your word and to pray and to seek your face. 
Put that within us, Father. Lord, I thank you for every heart that's here, every person. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon them, strengthen them. Yeah, Lord. May your blessings be upon them. Let your face shine upon them. May you give them peace. And I pray all that in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, I lift up the moms to you. I speak a special blessing over them today. Strengthen them, encourage them, help us to celebrate them the way they deserve to be celebrated. God bless them. And I pray that. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Church, we love you. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.